the day I decided I'm going to get onto entrepreneurship, uh, I told my wife, and uh, I have very young kids at the point of time, uh, I'm going to jump off a flight. Uh, I'm going to do skydiving. Uh, and that was, you know, for people who have done tandem or skydiving, know that uh, you really write off your life before you get out of that flight. Uh, they take you to 15, 16, 17,000 feet and they make you jump. Uh, just jump off the cliff. That's it. Hi, welcome to Startup Fridays, a weekly conversation with entrepreneurs, VC investors, and other folks who are doing significant work in India's startup ecosystem. You can find a new episode every Friday evening. You can also find us live on Instagram every Friday morning. I'm Hari Arakali. Uh, our guest today is uh, Eri Arasan Natarajan. Uh, everyone calls him Easy, founder and CEO of Core Stack, uh, which helps uh, enterprise customers uh, find the best way into the cloud. Uh, I guess that's my understanding, basically. Uh, prior to Core Stack, uh, he has held uh, leadership strategy and uh, leadership strategy and business ownership roles at uh, Capgemini Group and uh, Mindtree. He has been also part of uh, Microsoft Azure Business Group building uh, public Azure services for the world in uh, China and Australia. Uh, so a very accomplished technologist and an entrepreneur with uh, 20, some 25 odd years of experience. Uh, Izzy, uh, fantastic to have you with us today uh, on Startup Fridays. Welcome. Thank you, Hari. Uh, happy to be here. All right. So uh, yeah, let's start with uh, the really simple uh, part of this conversation. I mean, for starters, uh, tell us a bit about uh, CoreStack, uh, what it's all about, and uh, we'll go from there. Great. Uh, CoreStack is an enterprise cloud platform that basically helps companies that are in their digital transformation journey using the latest set of technologies being offered by the providers like Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Oracle to build the new generation uh, you know, experiences, right? whether it's the hospitals to the banks to the retail systems, to e-commerce systems, uh, to media entertainment, gaming, you know, they all want to use latest and greatest technology to give cutting-edge experience to their customers. So we basically help those customers use the technology very effectively and uh, at the same time be optimized on the cost front, be secure, provide, you know, very secure services to their customers and uh, provide uninterrupted services, right? Uh, so day before yesterday, uh, AWS had some outage uh, customers who use our platform can manage those interruptions uh, and deliver uninterrupted services to their customers. Mm. So what uh, triggered the idea behind what is Core Stack today? I mean, I'd imagine it may not have been one very specific idea at that time, but there must have been a germ of an idea which has become this company today. Tell us a bit about how you started thinking about this and you know how you... Uh, yeah, what the idea was. That's an interesting uh, journey, uh, Hari, definitely. Uh, when I was part of Microsoft Azure, building Azure for the world from late 2000s, uh, my co-founders were building OpenStack-based services for very large customers on the telco world. Uh, the journey continued in two different paths. You know, I was building Microsoft technology for world, for China, and then finally we went on to build combined capabilities for, for Microsoft and open source technologies in Australia with, uh, with, uh, with Cisco and Optus, yes, which is Singapore Telecom subsidiary. And uh, my co-founders and I were uh, collaborating to build that services. 
this was back in 2013-14 time frames. Uh, back then, uh, there were two other dimensions that were happening in the industry. Uh, one, uh, including the largest cloud player, which is Amazon Web Services today, and uh, every other cloud player, including Microsoft, Oracle, Google, VMware, uh, all of them were trying to create uh, as a service cloud-based infrastructure, cloud-based database, cloud-based services, uh, and all of them were cash negative, uh, meaning the service providers were building new services, offering to the customers. And on the other side, there was a huge demand where customers wanted to use the newer services, but the way in which you access them, the way in which you use them is different from the way you have been used to the traditional box products of computing, storage, network, and every service. So this created complexity. And one side, the providers were cash negative. Other side, the customers wanted to use the product. It was complex. And there was another dimension which the industry analysts, including IDCs and Gartners, were publishing. Uh, hey, the, the typical churn in North America for uh, CIOs, who are typically considered to be running the technology enterprises or the gatekeepers of the technology uh, world in every enterprise, uh, the churn was about 70%. Traditionally, it used to be about 20 to 30% per year. But around 2013, 14, 15 timeframes, uh, every enterprise was looking for a new CIO to come and lead their digital way. Uh, if you take the trend, there were two dimensions again. There were CIOs who were adopting the newer cutting-edge technologies like early movers, and they have burned their fingers either on the cost front or on the security front or on the availability performance front. So those CIOs considered to be Hey, you, you are great in adopting your technology, but this is kind of giving, you know, experiences that are not so great to their customers. On the other side, uh, the regulated industries and industries that were moving very slow to adopt newer technology, they ended up, you know, using older technology that, that, that you know, evolved to be more expensive and not provide the newer experiences to their customers. So technically, you have two group of leaders who are expected to, you know, drive technology for companies. And if you move faster, you are considered to be inefficient. You don't do anything, you consider to be inefficient. So technically, the churn considered to be much higher. And we saw this as a huge opportunity to build an intelligent platform that actually solves the business problems. When we looked at, you know, why are the companies raising into adopt newer technology and why the newer technologies are continuing to be cash negative, and why it is complex. So we wanted to solve this three dimension. Uh, at that point of time, we didn't name all the services. We called it as, you know, hey, we wanted to provide a multi-cloud based cloud orchestration engine. So core stands for core cloud orchestration engine, a stack that helps customers in the journey. That's how core stack was born. Mm. So uh, give us a sense of uh, what the very first uh, version of uh this uh, stack looked like uh, at that time uh, what were its capabilities so at, at you know when we first started we wanted to give an ease of use experience to customers right so we had education customers gaming customers retail customers telco customers in the initial stages so they were all used to using technology of the the previous generation which is you know 
uh, hypervisors, virtual machines, you know, servers and storage bought and stacked in their data centers or co-located, hosted. Uh, and, uh, you know, the new form was, you know, you can consume a VM, you can consume, uh, you know, uh, compute storage network services. We wanted to simplify that and make it as compatible with the traditional model of using across the players, right? So you can, you want to run your workload and it's a simple workload which has, you know, some compute, some storage, some database and some web services, uh, you know, however you used to do in the traditional way, do it on AWS or on Azure or on any other platform that uh, was available at that point of time. So it's a simple multi-cloud orchestration provisioning engine solving the first layer of the problem where the customers get into the cloud, right? So once you get into the cloud, you need to decide what other resistances you have uh, to increase your adoption, to increase your velocity. Is it, uh, you know, data sovereignty that is uh, limiting you? Is it security or is it uh, compliance on the industry that is limiting you? Is it uh, cost? So there are multiple dimensions which over a period of time evolved, but initially it was a true multi-cloud orchestration and provisioning platform that eases customers to coexist on their traditional investment alongside the newer model of computing technology. Mm. Was there a, a point where you saw that your technology uh, is really taking off? You know, the so-called uh, hockey stick kind of uh, growth that everybody looks for. Uh, was there a point like that? And uh, what brought on that change? Uh, back in 2014-15, when we were creating this in our mind and we were trying to build the product, trust me, nobody believed. Multi-cloud was not a terminology in the world. People did not accept mm. it. Uh, we believed it. We have seen, you know, coming from the enterprise world uh, for the past 15 years, myself and my co-founders, together, probably about 70-75 years of you know joint experience told us uh, you know, the world needs multiple technologies to run, whether it is banking, healthcare, education, entertainment, you know, all of that. But when we built this platform or wanted to build this platform, uh, not, uh, not many people, I would even say very, very few people who believed that there is a need even exists for such a platform. Uh, we've been, you know, told that uh, we are going to waste our time in building this platform. But we had the conviction that, you know, we've seen the last 20 years, starting from mainframe days to post-mainframe to S400 to client-server technologies to hypervisor days. Uh, it was not just one company, right? There was always existence of Microsoft, Red Hat, VMware, Oracle, Cisco. All of them, you know, powered every enterprise, every experiences that we touched, uh, you know, had, uh, you know, fingerprints from all these companies. So we had the belief the world is going to go in this direction. And uh, though the world did not believe in us, uh, we continued to build. It took about two years for us to build the platform. And uh, there was a time where the world started seeing what we saw way ahead of time. And uh, starting from 2017 and 2018 onwards, uh, the CEOs of uh, larger hyperscale cloud providers, including Microsoft, Google, uh, you know, the CEOs have gotten to the stage, world stage, and started accepting multi-cloud is what the customers want. And we saw that uh, three to four years ahead of time and started building. Uh, and, and the hockey stick started, uh, you know, probably from late 2017 for us. Mm. Uh, give us uh, one 
example, sort of in layman's terms, just to illustrate how your technology works and, and the kind of benefits it brings your customer. Take any any of your well-known customers and just illustrate this for us. Sure. In in the Indian context, we do have uh, uh, you know quite a few customers in the Indian segment, while majority of our customers in the US. Uh, let me take a couple of examples. One. Uh, probably on the education side, right? Uh, who happen to be one of our, some of our earliest customers. Uh, all the online technology providers today, where literal students or you know uh, college or engineering college students, whoever wants to learn technology, or even employees in larger corporates who want to you know get a cube to the newer technology learnings and uh, you know upgrade their career. Uh, when they learn, uh, let's take, um, you know, they want to learn big data, uh, they, they want to learn IoT, uh, they want to learn, you know, artificial intelligence services, uh, you know, some of that in the traditional world, the programming can happen on their laptop or desktop, you you learn and you experience and then you, you get a cube to yourself and then get ready for the job. But the newer technologies are so complex and it requires huge amount of compute, storage, you know, uh, the, the power that is required is on the cloud. So the newer technology providers like Simply Learn, Eureka, Great Learning, all of them provide the newer learning for customers or their students. And when they want to really learn, you know, CoreStack takes care of providing the end-to-end environment. I know I'm, I'm learning big data with Hadoop and Hortonworks and, you know, latest and greatest technologies being provided to my, you know, hands wherever I am in a simple way, uh, when I stop using all the additional things are taken care in terms of governing, managing, securing, protecting, so that I don't end up paying. It's like a electricity on your house, right? So you keep the uh, lights on. Uh, at the mo- end of the bu- at the end of the month, you're going to get a bill that is uh, that is something that you're not going to like. Cloud is something like that, you know. Uh, so the education players, in a very simple form, one of our earliest use cases is to create something uh, like a sensor like you know think of your lights are on in the house you walk in it recognizes somebody is walking and the lights are automatically turned on you go out of the room and the lights recognizes and the sensor recognizes and the lights are off that's exactly what uh, CoreStack does for the education world Uh, it's one of the again earliest very simple use cases Uh, come to a very common use case of uh, banking industry insurance industries today uh, if you buy your automobile or you buy your uh, life insurance or you buy your healthcare insurance uh, you go to providers uh, who are providing you services and uh, insurance services and they take a lot of privacy of uh, you know your native your location your number your date of birth your you know credit cards you know all of that stuff resides with them and uh, imagine you know in a mobile app you are consuming you are applying for uh, you know who your uh, service provider is from a healthcare to banking to insurance all the services run on the cloud and somebody has to make sure the services are protected the services are optimized the services are accessed by set of people who are allowed to access uh, all that needs to be taken care you know in the traditional way it was all done by the companies and they kind of guarded it in their shelf when it is on the cloud, uh, you know, there can be intrusion possibilities, there can be, you know, uh, possibilities of compromising this at every stage, not just when you're accessing through the app. Uh, 
Costack takes care of everything, provides that peace of mind, makes sure the set of people who can access are the only ones accessing the services irrespective of the location are being optimized to deliver the service the the you know insurance provider or the bank they don't end up paying extraordinary cost if they end up paying extraordinary cost imagine those costs are trans end of the day going to be transferred to the customers right so again in simple man's terminology uh, your bike insurance your car insurance uh, or your life insurance in india probably is uh, end of the day if it is running on the cloud uh, costack takes care of uh, protecting it securing it optimizing it and making sure uh, your services are uninterruptedly provided to you through your bank through your healthcare provider and we become the it guardians taking care of that mm. in the early years of uh, very early years of uh, cloud computing uh, one constant refrain from cios would be that uh, security is a concern in moving to the cloud uh, that seems to have changed uh, today um, while of course security is still paramount but uh, specifically security on the cloud people probably uh, accept that now there are more robust uh, ways of securing data so i mean long question uh, short today what are the biggest uh, challenges in the way of uh, moving to the cloud uh, today i would say you know the barriers to move to the cloud is very minimal unless it's a regulated industry or a public sector which includes even governments uh, unless there are uh, data sovereignty regional requirements uh, you know there are very very uh, limited barriers to adopt cloud uh, but the moment uh, you know companies start using cloud uh, they need to make sure their unit cost of operation is not becoming you know uh, linearly going up or even uh, in some companies end up spending overspending uh, from a unit economy standpoint it, traditionally we used to use x dollars but once you go to the cloud it becomes 2x 3x kind of situation so uh, there needs to be guardrails put in place uh, to make sure cost is not becoming a factor of concern uh, for the volume of technology they consume uh so it's it's not about the limiting factor but it is about your maturity so that your ability to consume is eff- efficient uh the second factor is again the security compliance uh, which is you know largely uh, considered to be not there uh, because the cloud is considered to be secure today uh, however the responsibilities of securing the data Uh, making sure it is not getting into the wrong hands is with the customers and the cloud pl- cloud providers are providing the basic capabilities and guardrails to create all those you know uh, the, the security uh, guardrails uh, but the customers maturity decides whether they have the ability to use those services or they need to rely on a partner or a tool or someone else to come and guide them but basically the cloud technology itself has now capabilities which takes care of the security dimensions uh, third comes the performance usage and uh, you know single cloud dependency right so today many of our customers are moving to multi cloud uh, again a most recent example a couple of days back uh, amazon was down or amazon had some issues and customers 
many services that you and me typically use uh, who are dependent on single cloud had service disrupted for them and uh, you know this this continues to happen some time ago google was down some time ago microsoft was down so you know and and it technically you know going to happen uh, not intentionally but i uh, you know it's it's a world of uh, network and connectivity uh, so customers who want to build resilient services uninterrupted services may have to look at you know how do we balance our business you know resilient to the underlying technology being available or not available uh, or meeting the regional requirements if there are international companies which are operating in you know 100 countries uh, some countries may have specific local requirement like european union you know we you go there you need to have a gdpr a privacy regulation that you must follow you may be an american company you may be a asian company you may be a european company but when within european union when you are in germany you need to follow additional controls so all that becomes a reasons for customers to decide how fast they can move or how slow they move but again the velocity gets increased the moment they have control over the factors that decide or that let them do uh, how well they need to do certain things mm. um back at uh, core stack uh, uh, it looks like you are looking at another next phase of growth you also uh, raised uh, some funding uh, recently uh, so tell us a bit about uh, uh, what your next big steps might be uh yes we have been uh, fortunate uh, to create that critical value for our customers and our customers and partners are embracing we have built a deeper relationship with uh, hyperscale providers uh, you name a kind of title and partnership with microsoft aws oracle google we have that and uh, you know end of the day you know what drives this adoption is the kind of value we are able to create for our customers and that has translated into our our series b funding we have raised uh, 30 million dollars just few weeks ago uh, thanks to all our investors our advisors you know who have been supporting us uh, our next big dream is to become a billion dollar in uh, revenue company uh, that we want to achieve in the next 5 years uh, it's it's a, a steep goal uh, while it is a steep goal it is not aggressive uh, the cloud world today you know if you really look at the market segment uh between microsoft uh, aws azure google and all the big players the public cloud segment is about 120 billion dollars as of today and it is estimated to hit uh, 1 to 1.5 trillion dollars in the next 5 years today we manage about 1.2 billion dollars worth of annual cloud consumption for our customers across all our customers uh, so at, at a 120 billion dollar market we manage 1% of the market today again that's our first 5 years journey so obviously when the hockey stick started you know what we need to aspire and we aspire to touch 100 billion dollars of annual cloud consumption for our customers uh, in the next 5 years uh, that's going to put us uh, very 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 comfortably uh, in a billion dollar plus revenue generating uh, you know as a, as a billion dollar annual revenue generating company so that's a vision that's a dream that we're all working towards uh you know the, the team i have is highly passionate and uh, these investors who have believed our technology who have believed in our vision uh, you know jointly sh- or, or they share our vision of being able to create that kind of an outcome so uh, you know that's that's our uh, next frontier mm. 
Okay, let's uh, now look at a little bit more about your own, uh, uh, you know, journey uh, uh, to becoming an entrepreneur. Back when you started, maybe even with your first uh, job, tell us a bit about uh, how you got interested in tech in the first place. Well, I'm a computer science graduate, so I, I would say nature has decided, or you know, I, I don't believe in God, but uh, you know, people who believe in God can decide that someone else above you has decided it. I, I wanted to be, uh, you know, uh, probably a doctor. I would say India has missed a doctor. Uh, but I was not given the choice to, uh, you know, get into uh, the, that stream of uh, study in my way early in my uh, so-called higher secondary, right? Uh, the, the PU, uh, the plus one, plus two in India. I was not given the choice. Uh, I think nature started deciding that I need to become an engineer. I should probably become an entrepreneur eventually. I was given computer science when computer science actually entered schools uh, way back in the late 90s in India. Uh, not my choice, but uh, I embraced the choice. Uh, when I went to engineering school, uh, I wanted to become a mechanical engineer. Uh, you know, again, uh, they looked at, you know, you, you studied computers and you're probably fit to become computers. And that was the first year India has introduced computer science engineering. Uh, or in, in, in the state that uh, I was born and brought up, uh, Tamil Nadu, uh, you know, that was the first year of computer science engineering getting introduced and I was given only that choice. Uh, so it, it was probably, you know, something that was predetermined for me to become a tech, uh, tech person. Uh, computer science to me was uh, very natural, right? It's like your mother tongue. Uh, I don't know how, uh, you know, I, I've never studied for my computer science exams any time in my life, I just wake up, I go and write, and um, you know, not not to boast, but I've I've been scoring, uh, you know, uh, the the A plus or hundred out of hundred or whatever the scoring methods that always had. So that natively led me to um, you know uh, do something on the technology side. Uh, however, I was I was not really getting into the groove of doing predictable things with computers. Uh, I I tried and I find myself to do something beyond that, uh, which is to do with unpredictability and uncertainty. Uh, I find I know I personally think that you know predictable things can be done by hundred people. Uh, if computer is my mother tongue, if I can you know uh, close my eyes and do things, so I must do something beyond what what normally uh, people can do in a predictable way. So that's where my passion changed way back in my career uh, when uh, Alcatel Telecom uh, came to India from an R&D standpoint. Uh, you know, I joined Alcatel at that point of time and uh, I, I've learned their telecoms, domains, IBM mainframes and all of that. Uh, after 60 days, I said, I'm not cut out for this, but I will help telecom industry to revamp or evangelize themselves to the newer technology. And I took the un predictable, uncertain challenge of moving their services from mainframes to client-server technologies. Uh, so that was my passion. And eventually, following that through in the last 25 years, uh, I, I have put technology for business use uh, for all the companies that I worked. Uh, today, the technologies of uh, digital light projection, wherever in the world you see, I take pride in uh, making that possible through Texas Instruments. Uh, supply chain, uh, you know, uh, today the world is using uh, through a B2B service model, 
back in the uh, early 2000s uh, part of a company called i2 i made that possible and even led world's largest uh, uh, m and a uh, consolidation at that point of time so you know uh, technology making that predictable and useful for business is where i found my passion mm-hmm. yeah that's uh, an interesting point i mean a lot of founders talk about uh, finding passion and then sticking with it for the long haul um is that another way of looking at what gives you your sense of purpose um i mean every day what what drives you to get up in the morning and uh, you know uh, hit your work uh, with a lot of energy i drive passion you know that's a very interesting question uh, you know what uh, what uh, makes you get up every day in the morning and hit with high energy uh, anytime i have a challenge that is or that can potentially change the life of people and uh, you know whether it is companies people working towards solve that and it's posing uh, you know uh, it's posing uh, challenges uh, in in the way that you can solve uh, is probably something that gives me that kick that gives me that you know motivation to get up and do things and with core stack uh, the biggest motivation and passion is you know we are changing the way civilization is experiencing life Uh, today you know uh, every company in the world uh, starting from a coffee provider to a automobile provider to uh, you know food provider everybody is becoming a technology enabled service uh, technology enabled service uh, making technology really you know easy and available at affordable price uh, to be used to create that impact and uh, knowing the fact that we have that ability to create that impact for hundreds and thousands of people uh, hundreds and thousands of companies out there who are creating that impact uh, is is a huge uh, you know feeling right uh, as steve jobs said uh, creating the dent in the world uh, is possible and uh, i would probably say in terms of you know the impact we are touching uh, or the the kind of impact we are creating uh i wouldn't be surprised if you are uh, touching more than 100 million people's life today in an indirect way across the globe uh, through the technology you know whether we protect or we make the services possible or we give the uninterrupted experience uh, you know that feeling taking that to a billion people uh, touching their lives indirectly uh, you know you sleep peacefully Uh, thinking that uh, your insurance is going to cover you you think peacefully that you can fly safely uh, you uh, you know go to a hospital and think that i'm going to get a you know uh, healthcare which is tracked managed operated in a safe and secure way uh, all that gives us the you know uh, feel of pride and the energy to get up and do things mm. so i'd imagine the, this uh, drive to look for the unpredictable and bring it to a large number of people uh, all of these things uh, contributed to your wanting to become an entrepreneur because you already had a stellar corporate career uh, in the it industry but you decided to jump into the uncertain world of uh, uh, entrepreneurs so what have been some of the uh, biggest uh, takeaways over the last 5 6 years uh, building core stack uh 
jumping into entrepreneurship while it was passionate you got to be ready to lose a lot of things uh, in your life and that can be sleep that can be relationships that can be you know uh, your your wallet uh, you know you may not be able to travel where you want to go you may not be wear the dress you want to wear you may not be drive the car that you want to drive you may not be able to eat the food that you want to eat uh, you know all that are sacrifices that comes as a bundle along with your uh, passionate entrepreneurship and specifically the first few years of entrepreneurship and the the kind of journey that we had um, you know my co-founders and i when nobody believes what you're doing is going to be even needed in the world it's going to be useful in the world uh, trust me the challenges are highly compounded uh, but all that eventually what's it uh, when you start creating the impact in our case our first customer who happens to be one of the large telecom provider uh, within the first 30 60 days of uh, consuming our service uh, told us the kind of impact they are seeing they saw you know 80% productivity increase across multiple geographies and this is an international company and they saw you know more than 50% of cost reduction at a unit level going down and we are talking about uh, hundreds and thousands of dollars per month or millions of dollars per year uh, and that was the first customer where we asked to use our software and give some feedback and imagine when you give a primitive software and that creates a level of impact at that stage you know all the sleepless nights you know uh, the the sacrifices you have made uh, you see the fruitfulness um, you know uh, entrepreneurship is tough but if you're really passionate uh, nothing matters uh, when you see the outcome uh, i think uh, you will really Uh, you'll really feel uh, how uh, you are able to create that impact for uh, i mean contemporary civilization mm. so in in the early years when things were really tough and when nobody really believed in your vision for what costa could be uh, what what kept all of you going i mean was it just you know the tech savvy that you saw something that others did not see or Uh, was it more about uh, grit a combination of all of these things what kept you going uh two or three dimensions uh what what uh, we were very very you know uh, certain about uh, one we foresaw technology becoming a underpin of uh, you know everybody's lifestyle today people use mobile phones smart devices while all this were not even there uh, back when we were imagining we foresaw that technology is going to become the underpin of uh, you know uh, lifestyle of every human being on earth and to make that possible like electricity you know like what we have always been used to it needs to be available from a grid model right uh, every house needs to have electricity so every house will have internet every house will have to have smart devices or Uh, some mode of consuming the technology needs to be available and we foresaw that and uh, you know we wanted to build a technology that can ride on that belief while the world did not believe uh, what we saw we were fairly certain you know it's matter of time the world will see what we were uh, what we are able to see uh, ahead of time uh, and it took few years for the world to see second 
not just technology we believed in we also believed in the rate at which the technology would change uh, it is like in india the transformation from landline phones to mobile phones to the smartphones right uh, uh, the the transition was so abrupt and even in the banking sector in india if you see you know uh, from going to the banks and using passbook suddenly today you can you know uh, transact money through digital channels from anyone to anyone in any form factor uh, again if you really compare that kind of a dimension you know is that kind of a banking service available in the us probably no uh, you know we foresaw the rate at which the technology adoption will evolve and the rate at which the developing countries and eventually the developed countries that will use the technology is going to be unimaginable and not not you know taken into account of the way in which companies are changing or progressing from one one orbit of their offering to the next orbit so it was technology first going to be the underpin second the rate at which the technology is going to be adopted is going to be the fastest ever happened in history and uh, those two are the factors for us to build something that is future ready which can give that additional velocity transition for the you know companies that are building technologies or building services over the technologies that touches people uh with this two conviction uh, we continued going and we said you know uh, if if we understand life if we understand civilization if we understand how things are going to change the world how things have changed in the last 20 to 25 years and how things will change in the next 25 years uh you know uh, we believed what we thought is going to be the way and we created the foundation uh, which gives us a significant advantage today uh, we become I mean, costack becomes probably uh, the platform which gives the significant velocity advantage for our customers today world's largest aviation company cannot fly uh, so many flights uh, irrespective of covid uh, without using our technology uh, you know uh, world's largest uh, platinum diamond manufacturer uh, if you ever happen to buy some of those brands uh, for the next wedding uh, that will not be possible without uh, costack actually powering them Uh, you know uh, as i said uh, many of the lateral to uh, you know technology learners uh, will not be learning newer technology without costack enabling them so uh, you know uh, we envisioned that but we are able to see that in action today mm. when did you uh, move to the us and uh, what is the primary reason for costack to be basically headquartered in the us uh they don't have a direct connection uh, this two elements that you're asking for uh, i moved to us when i was working for a company called mindtree and mindtree went ipo uh, the founders uh, wanted to start a new line of business uh, myself and my you know uh, service providers in my previous roles uh, wanted to come together and start and i used to work with uh, i i was joining uh, you know the, the team that was uh, trying to create a new line of business for mindtree and as part of building a new service line or new line of business uh, that was given a task of building 100 million dollar business on its own uh, i happened to come to us and manage us customers uh, that that's how i 
relocated and I've relocated in the late 2000s uh, to the US. Uh, eventually, you know, the the kind of customer that we managed uh, happened to be in the, uh, re- in, in, in the travel and hospitality industry, building a SaaS platform prior to the birth of cloud. Uh, we were building uh, a probably billion dollar plus, uh, you know, SaaS platform that managed that volume of transactions in the travel hospitality industry uh, without using any cloud. Uh, you know, we were building our own SaaS cloud at the point of time using the traditional technologies. Uh, running such a large scale platform on the uh, SaaS side uh, eventually got me to, uh, you know, share some best practices with Microsoft when Microsoft wanted to build Azure. And then it became, uh, uh, you know, history on by itself uh, to Seattle, uh, since Microsoft is headquartered in Seattle. And after my days uh, with Microsoft and Mindtree and building Azure for the world, uh, doing it in China, doing it in Australia, all of that, uh, you know, uh, we happened to start CoreStack in this soil. Uh, it, it's so, you know, uh, analogous to uh, the cloud capital of the world in terms of the rain cloud and in terms of the technology cloud, uh, I don't think so anyone anticipated AWS to be in Seattle, Microsoft to be in Seattle, and many cloud providers to be in Seattle. And uh, just by being part of some of the larger cloud service players ecosystem, uh, I happen to be in Seattle. And uh, you know, since I founded the company, it happened to be here. But we are truly you know, uh, a global company. Now we have people across multiple states in US, uh, across multiple states in India. Uh, we are looking forward to expand to Europe. Uh, we already have customers in Europe, Middle East, Japan, Australia. Uh, we are looking at uh, expanding into multiple geographies. Mm. From a mm, you know, IT leader, a corporate IT leader to uh, founder of a, a new startup to now again uh, CEO of a growing uh, business, what are some of the top uh, lessons that you had to learn and what did you have to unlearn? The unlearn part is very, very uh, you know, useful and important in my opinion. Uh, the learning part, I was fortunate to have uh, the, the set of people ecosystem, whether it was my advisors, whether it is my investors uh, or, or people who believed in us from the earliest days. Uh, you know, you, you tend to learn, right? So I, I really, you know, I'm thankful to a set of people who we had uh, uh, dinner with, uh, you know, early this week, even last week at Vegas, uh, who have been helping. So from a learning standpoint, all I would say is uh, entrepreneurship is something that was completely unknown to me. How do you run a company? How do you build a company? How do you run various services? Uh I didn't know I was learning all of this in my second job when I used to work for a company called Alcatel, Alcatel Telecom, way back in uh, late 90s. After my college days, uh, there was a Belgium-based gentleman. Uh, we very incidentally happened to share our birthdays, uh, who used to be the managing director uh, of, uh, of that company. And that was the first R&D center that Alcatel ever created in India. Uh, very interesting how he built the company and I happened to be the first 50 employees and I was there with the company when the company was about 500, 600 people. So you see, you know, a company being built, though it was, a, you know, an R&D center in a, in a new geography for a pre-existing technology player or world's largest telco provider at that point of time. Uh, I saw and being part of, 
a company being created but i never knew that i'm going to build a company uh, through that learning but i've seen that uh, way early in my career and uh, when we started you know core stack and started building the services i could correlate to uh, uh, how this company was created uh, in, in an isolation for an r&d center you know the the technologies that you need the legal system that you need the you know people hiring system that you need the training and development systems that you need the financial services and tools that you need you know all that really came together but again when you are surrounded with the right set of people and over a 20 years of experience you really gather some network around you that that was helpful from a learning standpoint from an unlearning standpoint uh, the first thing i would say was you don't have a life jacket uh, you don't have a system that would you know uh, give you the backing when you are going to fall down uh, i think that was the biggest uh, you know unlearning that i have to uh, go through that you are on your own uh, you are sailing without a life jacket whether you know swimming or not in the ocean and uh, just your passion is what is going to drive and uh, all through the corporate career you always have somebody as your you know mentor you you have somebody to protect you guide you and you never bother about uh, you know your next meal coming on the table right uh, because there's a paycheck always available in in entrepreneurship that's not going to be available so unlearning was more uh, an emotional uh, detachment of leaving your fear leaving uh, what you have never thought and uh, I, i'm happy to share how i overcame that uh, in an interesting way uh, but you know that was my biggest unlearning of overcoming the fear and not bother about your next meal on the table uh, but you got to do yeah i think uh, that, that would be great i mean uh, i think a lot of uh, aspiring entrepreneurs would love to uh, learn from how you faced your fears what did you do the day i decided i'm going to get onto entrepreneurship uh, i told my wife and uh, i had very young kids at the point of time uh, i'm going to jump off a flight uh, i'm going to do skydiving uh, and that was you know for people who have done tandem or skydiving know that uh, you really write off your life before you get out of that flight uh, they take you to 15 16 17000 feet and they make you jump uh, just jump off the cliff that's it uh you know i i thought if i have to overcome the fear i need to really let go uh, the life's attachments including your relationship and you think that you're not going to exist and have you created the protection for what is going to be pulling you backwards right your family your relations your you know attachments to materialistic stuff and um, you know literally i have in fact it used to be my backdrop on my facebook and linkedin all of that for some period of time um you know that really helped me uh, i don't know for uh, others who are extremely successful entrepreneurs what they have used as a you know cheat strategy to help themselves but uh, my strategy was just go jump off the cliff and uh, see what happens uh, after riding off that you're not going to be alive and 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 the uh, you know uh, skydive companies do that they literally tell you that you're going to die they tell your family that uh, you know your family member is going to die uh, and you write up and no insurance company is going to pay you anything uh, you know it's it's an interesting uh, dimension i've taken i'm not asking everybody to do it 
but you know this is one of the best way to overcome the fear that you have uh, to go and swim without a life jacket just out of curiosity how old were you when you did this you said you had young children uh, i must have been um, 38 okay mm. at the point of time awesome uh, a few quick questions uh, think of them as uh, rapid fire questions basically answer them in like 30 seconds or less don't think too much about the answer uh, first one is uh, tell us about uh, one piece of advice uh, to give to an aspiring entrepreneur that you never got if you believe in something don't believe anyone else if you truly believe in something don't believe anyone else other than your conviction mm. uh, professionally uh, name one person who's left a deep impression on you um i would probably say two people um you know one uh, the the managing director of alcatel telecom who i used to work for as my very first job i learned a lot Uh, without knowing that i'm learning that's going to be useful for my life uh, at the point of time it was just living experience uh, you know i i he has definitely left a lot of mark in terms of values in terms of ethics in terms of integrity in terms of caring for people you know uh, today if people know me for any of these factors i think this gentleman uh, again happened to share my birthday philip deneve is his name uh, he runs his own company being an entrepreneur Uh, we stay in touch uh, and you know i he has he has created deep impact in uh, who i am today and the second gentleman uh, who i've never met and uh, this this is probably the godfather figure uh, for many technology entrepreneurs or many technologies in the world i i take a lot of inspiration from steve jobs while i don't want to be a jerk like him uh, but you know uh, he 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 is he has lived the vision that abdul kalam Uh, said you know how to dream how to go create a dent in the world uh, and i i really take uh, you know uh, deep uh, deep touching you know uh, learning from him uh, and one thing that really drives me is uh, how to create dent in the world mm. okay on that point uh, one product that you love software hardware any kind of product um i i strive to uh, beat apple's finesse and user experience in the thing that they build even a kid can use uh while you know uh, apple goes with the de facto industry's benchmark of uh, how fine they can build products and how uh, easy they can make a complex product to be used by the customers uh i i love that and we want to mimic that in our industry and in what we are building mm uh if you like uh, reading any book that you keep re- re- returning to or a book that has really uh, left an impression on you book that has created a deep impact uh for me and i probably have asked many of my friends to even read uh, whoever i really care for uh, have even presented that book is uh, the compound effect by darren hardy um i would definitely recommend uh, that book to be read for people who want to change their life uh, another book that i really quote uh, and have made a deeper impact for me to become an entrepreneur even is um, you know uh, the rich dad poor dad uh, you know how the financial world uh, 
pre-world wars, post-world wars, how things have changed, how currencies have evolved, uh, how economy runs today. There's a lot of learning. Uh, and, and subsequent to Richard Porter, at The Conspiracies of the Rich, uh, probably is every entrepreneur I would uh, recommend to read The Conspiracies of the Rich. Um, you know, there is no conspiracy there. Once you learn it, uh, you would realize that uh, you, know, you are part of the rich. Mm. Uh, one important uh, thing, uh, one important habit, activity, uh, or even a beverage that you never start your day without? Uh, looking at the phone as soon as I wake up in the morning and uh, I have, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, trying to understand what's going on, I have my uh, CNN 5, uh, five things in the morning, right? So CNN sends me a summary of uh, what's going on in the world. And uh, I look at my WhatsApp uh, and make sure every single uh, request have been attended to. I look at my email for any uh, escalations or any concerns uh, that touches people's life on, on an immediate basis. And then I definitely walk for 30 minutes. I do realize being an entrepreneur, health is important. And I did have some health troubles uh, during the last five or six years. Nothing major, but uh, I do realize how even a smaller health issue can cause a roadblock to the progress of the company. And when people are really looking up to you, uh, I've learned it the hard way. Uh, so I make sure I walk for 30 minutes at least every single day. Um, so that routines help me. Mm. Uh, what's your favorite way of uh, getting back on track anytime you're feeling bad about something? I just sleep. Sleep longer. Uh, I just sleep. You sleep off, you wake up with a fresh mind. All right. Last question. Uh, your work would have taken you to many cities. Uh, one city that you would love to live in. Uh, I can answer that which city I cannot live in. Uh, any cities that are warm, humid, I can't live in. Uh, everything else is is good for me. Uh, too cold, probably no. I used to live in Chicago. May not be, other than the beauty of the city. Uh, I think Seattle I'm, I'm really happy with. Um, you know, it gives the best of both worlds. Uh, maybe more sunshine uh, would, would be good. Uh, but, you know... Uh, I'm I'm a true uh, global citizen who would love to live in any place, but uh, you know Seattle, I wouldn't complain. Excellent, Daniel. Uh, easy, uh, wonderful conversation. Thank you again for making time and also making time at uh, you know night for you over there. I truly appreciate it, and uh, we definitely hope to keep the conversation going. Thank you very much, Hari. Much appreciate for inviting me to uh, you know Forbes India channel, and I'm uh, you know uh, thankful to the larger team that is behind me that supported me in this journey to make me come here and share some of our wisdom and our journey is uh, uh, it's it's considered kind of a day one for us so we have a, a big journey ahead of us and i'm looking forward to uh, you know larger support and uh, you know ecosystem that can help us uh, make the progress uh, happy to be here again thank you very much all right so that was uh, Elarson Natarajan, uh, EZ, uh, founder and CEO of uh, CoreStack. That's it for this week's Friday, uh, Startup Fridays. I'll be back next week uh, with another episode. Uh, until then, uh, wherever you are, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. Uh, have a wonderful Friday and uh, a great weekend ahead.